2: All of a sudden, you get a phone call. You're on a list. They're going to let 27 people go. 20 have already gone. You're on the list. You get a call from the doctor. Please come in. We found something we didn't see the first time. Your kid calls. I'm pregnant, 17, a million things. Now, what do you do with your prayer life? Is it any more increased? Is anybody listening to me? No, you just go, oh, everything's just perfect, my guy. I never do any different. Then you're not a Christian. When things are difficult, who do we go to?
0: God. Over the years, people have asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Funny though, the question of why good things happen to bad people doesn't get asked very often. And sometimes Christ followers ask themselves the first question in some way when they go through trials they don't think they deserve. Pastor Mark will be teaching about how the Apostle Paul tackled this question. You'll hear what the Bible has to say about such matters and where you fit into God's scheme. You'll also find out what God's main reason for using hard times in your life is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1 as he continues his message, Encouragement in the Middle of Increased Persecution.
2: You don't know this, but I teach all the pastors this. When a person leaves our church, doesn't matter who's teaching, and you read the Word of God, I tell the pastors, it doesn't matter the passage, always make sure that when the people leave the service, they leave with hope. You glad for that? Or would you like to walk out and say, man, he beat us up like everything. I feel like an idiot. I'm never going back to that church again. You know, that can happen. I want to leave you with hope because the hope of the world is Jesus. So Paul's doing the same thing, encouraged to inspire courage, confidence, and hope. So here's what I'm hoping. At the end of this service today, you'll leave in better shape spiritually than you did when you walked in. Now, that's not because of me. That's because of the truth of the word of God. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, look at Hebrews 10.25. Paul, I believe, wrote this. Look what he says. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What is he saying? Here we are 2,000 years ago. Paul writes this. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Here's what he's trying to say. If you're going to be growing in your faith and your love, you can't come to church once a month. I'm not saying you're here every day. Of course not. But we should be here on a somewhat of a regular basis. But look what was happening then. Same thing, but worse today, because all kinds of busyness in our life. too much stuff. Kids got soccer. We got the Iwana. We got the... I'll see you next month. Well... It's not going to work. You will never grow spiritually like that. Remember, you're being spiritually fed by the word of God. You don't eat for the next week physically. More coffee won't help that. You need food. So Paul challenges them. Let's read this together. Here we go. But here we go. Come on. Let us encourage one another. Did you know that one of the reasons you're here is to encourage one another with a smile with a handshake by letting them go in front of you in the parking lot? (laughs) If you need to come to the altar at the end, we'll have you down. (laughs) I'm serious. Does anybody here like being encouraged? Of course we do. But I want you to see this last line. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse means more to me than any time in my life. What is Paul saying? He's saying there's a day coming when we won't meet again because the second coming of Jesus is happening. But before that is the rapture and then seven years of hell. You want to make sure you're ready either for the rapture or death so you go to heaven. Are we closer to the coming of Jesus a second than we've ever been before? Look at the signs that you see. I'll be presenting many signs, Jesus speaking about the signs coming soon. So that's why Paul says, Satan will come to discourage you. He'll come to depress you. He'll come to separate you. And one of the first things I'll tell you in the passages, at the end of time, Jesus even said this, many people will walk away from God. And we're having churches walk away from God like crazy now. They won't teach the Bible anymore. They just teach what they want to teach. Again, Paul says, I know you're in persecution, but I'm so proud of you because you're increasing in your faith and your love. Well, what is faith? Faith, it's the confident assurance that what we hope for is absolutely going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. You say, Pastor Mark, is really God coming back? Yes, it is, because he's promised he's coming back. Well, I want to see it. You will when he comes. You have to believe it. Now, their faith was growing. All of us need our faith to be growing. How does faith grow? How does your faith grow? Remember, it's kind of like a muscle, faith is. Now, watch this. Three ways I'll give you. Hearing and reading the word grows our faith. When you leave a church service or your quiet time devotional and you've read the word, your faith should increase because you're reading the promises of God. Romans ten seventeen says it like this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now stop just for 20 seconds. If you're in a church and they're not really preaching the word, why are you going to church? It will not grow your faith at all. Actually do the opposite. You won't have any encouragement at all. Second way, I can't just read and hear the word of God. Number two, I have to obey the word. Obeying the word grows our faith. James says it like this. Don't merely listen to the word. It's no use for you to be here or have your quiet time and you read all this and wow, that's really good. I need faith. Walk out the door, nothing happens. You don't ever even do it. You don't even go for it. Now, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Know the word, do the word. And Paul's saying to them, I'm so proud of you. Your faith is growing. Your love for each other is evident. Wow, beautiful. Now, the third one, I don't care for, but it's biblical, so I have to teach it to you. Facing trials and testings and troubles grows our faith. Now, why would that faith grow during that time? Well, see, when everything is going good in your life, we don't rely too much sometimes on God. Sometimes if everything's three weeks in a row, it's just, it's just like perfect. Well, how many times will it will be in the Bible? God, help me out of this situation. I really did You're not going to be in the Bible or in prayer with that at all. Why? Because everything is what? It's mountaintop. Whee! Let's get up here. All of a sudden you get a phone call. You're on a list. They're going to let 27 people go. 20 have already gone. You're on the list. You get a call from the doctor. Please come in. We found something we didn't see the first time. Your kid calls. I'm pregnant, 17, a million things. Now, what do you do with your prayer life? Is it any more increased? Is anybody listening to me? No, you just go, oh, everything's just perfect, my guy. I never do any different. Then you're not a Christian. When things are difficult, who do we go to? God. So your prayer life grows more. So sometimes God allows difficult things in our life to do what? Grow my faith. God, help. There's no way out of this. What am I going to do? What did the doctor mean? We put our trust back where it should be, in God. When it's going good, we depend on ourselves. Paul knew this, and he knew these people were trusting God because they couldn't do what they knew they had it to do in this persecution time. Now, you need to understand what is happening. James says it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Consider it pure joy. I've been a Christian 70 years. I don't have that down yet. How about you? Don't tell me you have that perfectly down. I know you don't. We have to work ourselves through it because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's what these people are doing. They're still absolutely trusting God by faith. Now, then Paul says this. Here's the second one. The love every one of you has for each other is increasing. You see, he looked out at the people and he knew they loved each other in the church. He got word back from Timothy and Silas. These people are loving people. They love each other. One of the most important things we learn from Jesus, from the Old Testament, all the laws and all of those things, when it comes to the New Testament, some of the people said, well, what do we do with these old commandments, these 10 commandments and all the other commandments in the Old Testament? Jesus says, well, I'm reducing it down to two. Two. We're not going to have to worry about all those laws in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you two. And what were the two? It's called the Great Commandments. Now I want you to get your hands out like this. We haven't done this for a long time. So everybody, you say, Pastor Mark, what are you doing? Just put your hands out. Obey your pastor. Okay? <laughs> everybody, balcony, I'm watching you. Okay, good. Just hold your hands like this. Word to who? First. First, we're to love God, then we're to love people. How do we do love God? Like this. Where is God? He's where? He's there. So here we go. We love God. And then who? We're to love people. So hit them right next to you. Just hit them. (laughs) See if that person's alive or wake them up, whatever you want to do. We love people. It's percolated down to those two things. Is that amazing? Now, you know, Jesus then goes a little farther. makes it hard for us. We're also to love our enemies. I haven't got that one perfect yet either. (laughs) So, again, so he's saying in the church, you guys are amazing. In spite of the persecution, you're loving God and you're loving each other. I'm so proud of you. Peter writes it like this. More important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. You see, life is hard with people because we're all imperfect. And sometimes we hurt one another. And we just have to get past that because that's what Satan loves to do. We just get past it. So this is a healthy church. There was love for God, for the leaders, love for the other believers, and the big one, Love for unbelievers. Can I just say to you, thank you. From myself, all the pastors and elders, thank you. I watch you. You're growing in your faith, your faith for God. Thank you so much. You're growing in your love for one another. You know, you can walk in a church, and there's division in the church. If you have any kind of spiritual growth, maturity, when you walk in that church, you'll know something's wrong already. I've been there, church splits, not from us, way back in my dad's time, way back, way, way, way back. And I've been in other churches. When you walk in and you go, and these people don't like each other, they hate the pastor, I just get up and walk out. I don't want to be in a church like that. Can I thank you for not being those kind of people? You love one another, and you even kind of like the pastor sometimes. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, that's because I have a new shirt on. My wife bought me. I know. That's pretty shallow love, so come on. Let's move on. Let me go on. Look at verse 4. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and your faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. What does Paul do? He says, you're like the role model. And I'm telling all the other churches that I've started, wow. Look at these guys. I don't have to do that. All of our campuses are filled with love and filled with faith. We know to put God first. We know to love one another. But it's nice being a role model, even though we're obviously not perfect. Now, persecution is not new. This was 2,000 years ago. Well, a little before that, remember, when the day of Pentecost came, the early church came, there was persecution. After the day of Pentecost, The Jewish people hated these people, all Jews, who became believers in Jesus. They hated them. They caused persecution. Remember, Stephen was a young man. He was stoned to death, the first martyr for his faith. The second one was, you remember, James was the first apostle. He was killed for his faith. Now, that verse 4, that we boast about your perseverance in faith and persecution It applies to all of our churches around the world today. Let me read you an article that I just came across. Christians endured in the world more pushback than any other religious group each year from 2007 to 2017 when they faced harassment because they were Christians in 143 countries. The number one people in the world that are experiencing persecution are Christians. You know why? Why? It's not about the church. It's not about the name of the church. It's not about God. It's about Jesus. Because what do we believe? Just exactly what Jesus said, John 4, 6. What does he say? He's the way, the way, the truth, the life. And you can't get to heaven except by him. That's why they hate us. Well, oh, I can get there any other way. No, you can't. So the persecution is there. So it doesn't matter where we live. Would you agree with me that our religious freedom here in America is getting less and less and less and less? Exactly. We see all these rules that people are putting in now. And they're against Christianity. They make us look bad. That's okay. That's just the way it's going to be. Now, I think it was two years ago, two and a half years ago, Linda and I were invited to Nepal to teach one of the Asian nations. And we flew into Kathmandu, and I did a lot of teaching through an interpreter, obviously, to the people there in that country, which basically aren't Christians, but many people had come, and there was pastors there, and it was just a wonderful time. We had a great time. And I was shocked. That was like two years ago, I think 17. That shocked me when I came across, look what I came across in May 2018. Four countries in Asia, Pass laws banning religious conversions. In other words, banning a person sharing their faith publicly on the street, i.e., doing evangelism. Four countries in South and Southeast Asia, from their Supreme Courts, already have a rule that bans conversion of their citizens away from the country's major religion. This anti-conversion law is in place in Nepal, Myanmar, Bhutan, and India. So if I would go back to Nepal now, I might be able to get away with teaching in a room or a little place. But if Christians who live there are on their street... And they're trying to share with somebody. Just say, how's your day? Well, it's really bad. Well, can I just pray for you? God cares for you and whatever. You know what happens to them next in those four countries? Jail. See, we don't understand what's happening in our world. The worst country in the world for persecuting Christians is China. I went to China 15 times teaching and whatever. I can't go back today. They'll take the pastors that I talk to, teach, put them in jail, and they put me in jail. It's happening everywhere. Not just Christians. They're doing the same thing to Muslims. Do you know they're brainwashing Muslims, put them in prison, take them from their families, and never return them to their families. The Father. And they say, You will never say the word Allah again. So the persecution is all through our world. When you see that happening, we kind of say this God When is enough enough? Come on back. Well, it's not time. So we have to be bold. These Christians being persecuted that Paul's writing to, they were bold. They're still sharing the gospel no matter what happened to them. Now that's hard for us to think about. But when that's happening, you need to know today, when the early church was persecuted, did they fold up and just go away? No, in 20 years, they changed their world for Jesus Christ. You know how many Christians there are in China? We don't have the exact figure, obviously, because there's more than one billion people there. You know how many Christians there are? In? Born-again Christians, I'm talking about. Not people who just go to church. Born-again Christians, more than 100 million Christians. Now, when they're going underground, they're just going to dissipate. That's it, huh? Oh, no. That's how they grew to 100 million. Do you know there's more Christians in China than in the United States? Why? because they don't care about the persecution. I mean, they care, but they don't care. They will talk about Jesus wherever. And I found so many of them when I taught, they're just filled with the Holy Spirit. Who gives me goosebumps? Let me go on. All right, now, when is enough enough? You have to agree with me when we read or hear the news, we just ask ourselves, is there any truth in this country? Is there any honesty? Is there any justice in the United States? You know, 2,000 years ago, Paul just says, I'm encouraging you, and he's going to leave them with something that you need to understand. We see all kind of people going to jail, and they get the best lawyer in the world, and pretty soon they're off. They did it, but they're freed. Here's what Paul's going to say, and you're going to hear it in a moment. Guess in our world who is going to have the last word, God. God, the judge, the perfect judge will have the last word in our world. You see, when Jesus comes in the second coming, he's not coming as a savior to die. He's already done that. He's coming to judge the world. When is enough enough? He'll take care of it. Now, he's going to do that because he loves them, and you'll see how that works. Paul says to these people, look at verse 5, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. Stay with it, he says. Don't throw in the towel. It's going to be okay. Basically, he's saying, you've proved that you're real believers. So withstand. Keep filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what you want to write. Remember that a Christ follower is only made worthy by God's grace. They couldn't have stood up without God's power and God's grace. Now... Paul earlier writes this. Look at Romans 8, 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I like part A. (laughs) I don't care too much for part B. We'll look at verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled. And notice Paul includes himself because he's being persecuted as well as Silas and Timothy and to us as well. This will happen, circle the word in your Bible, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. See, that's their hope. There's a time coming when enough is enough. And because God's a just and holy God, he must judge people who have rebelled against him.
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark made a point of talking about the importance of hope for all people. You learn that the devil is the author of negativity and despair, while Jesus is the source of hope and joy you learn that as a Christ follower, you have a responsibility to follow Jesus' model and be a source of hope and encouragement to those who you do life with. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up his teaching, Encouragement in the Middle of Persecution. He'll continue speaking about the Thessalonian Church and how they kept living as faithful Christ followers despite the persecution they were living under. Pastor Mark will embolden you to follow their example, although you might not be under oppression at this time. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Live Here Now, Then Live There Forever. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry